day. First Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, this is the go-to chapter for resurrection. It's kind of like the Apostle Paul's manifesto. Uh, 58 verses, I won't read them all, but it's 58 verses of his declaration uh, to um, the Corinthians and to the Greeks of that time who did not believe in a resurrection. They believed that when you lived, you lived, you died, and then that was it. And there was nothing after that. As a matter of fact, they viewed the physical body as a, uh, uh, like a prison. And they wanted it to be over with. They just wanted to get it over with. And, uh, but Paul, in uh, chapter 15, he declares to them the reality and the truth and the hope the living hope that we have uh, in Jesus Christ. So let's read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, which, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, Unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas. Then of the twelve. And that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain." But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so we believed. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins." Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Praise God. Now for those of us that uh, are Christians and have served the Lord a long time and have been Bible readers for a long time, we know that the resurrection is bedrock. It is the cornerstone of everything that we believe. You remove the message of the resurrection 
and everything else crumbles. We don't have any, any hope at all. As a matter of fact, Paul said we're still in our sins. If Jesus didn't come out of the grave, then, um, then there's no hope for us. That uh, uh, there's no forgiveness, there's no salvation, there's no hope uh, in this life or in, in a life uh, to come. But we stand here today just once again declaring from God's word that Jesus is alive and we believe it to be true and we have not only the historical fact and the biblical truth, but we also have an experience with the risen Savior. That's why Paul said, now I saw him. I didn't see him like the other Paul, uh, the apostles saw him. I saw him on the road to Damascus. I met him there and he's just as real to me. He said, I was a man born out of season, out of, out of, out of season. I was not one of the, the regular apostles, but I saw him and I had an encounter with him. And you remember Paul was uh, completely committed to the destruction of the church. And uh, that was his life goal and ambition was to, to wipe out the message of the gospel. But that encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus changed him so much that he was going that direction. He turned around and now he's going this direction and he is not tearing down the church, but he's the greatest proponent of the church. Praise God. And the resurrected Lord and having an encounter with the resurrected Lord is what changed all of that. Amen. But we have hope and that hope is in the resurrection. Praise God. And the, it is according to this scripture that I read to you today. It's something that is sure. It's something that's steadfast. That first verse it says, this is where, where we stand. Wherein we stand. We're standing today upon the firm foundation and the truth and the reality that Jesus came out of the tomb and he is alive even today and you and I can experience and have an encounter with the risen Savior just like Saul who became Paul, we too can have an encounter with Jesus Christ. This is where we stand. As I said, this is like Paul's manifesto telling them resurrection is the most essential, the most important doctrine of the church. You remove it and everything else is gone. Nothing else matters. As a matter of fact, if there's no resurrection, then hundreds and thousands of people that are gathering together around the world on this Easter Sunday, they're wasting their time. And you're wasting your time being here today if Jesus didn't come out of the tomb. But praise God, he did. And there's not a grave that can hold our bodies. Amen. Because he was the first fruits of the resurrection and you and I also can have the hope of the resurrection. So actually, this, this chapter 15 is uh, it's not just a declaration of the resurrection of Jesus, but it's a reminder of the fact that you and I have life beyond the grave. Amen. When we take our, our friends and our loved ones to the cemetery and bury them, and sure, we're overwhelmed with sadness and grief at their loss, but for those of us who know the Lord uh, and uh, understand the reality of the resurrection, we know that's not the end. We know it's not over. We know there's going to be another. There's going to be a day when we're going to we're going to see them again. There's going to be a day that we're going to be reunited with our loved ones and our friends uh, who died in the faith. And oh, what a wonderful hope that we have today! 
It's a hope that is alive. It's a hope that's living. And the resurrection is just that kind of a hope. Praise the Lord. So this chapter is really about the future. It's about your future and my future. That uh, we live our lives in the physical. We come to the end of our lives. The physical body wears out. And, and then we are placed in the grave. That is not the end. Our future is we have a resurrection in our future. Praise God. We have a, a resurrection. That's what our future. We don't believe in reincarnation. Thank God we don't. Thank God we're not going to come back uh, as some animal or some bug or something else. Uh, the, I don't believe in, the, in reincarnation. I feel sorry for those that do. I know that a lot of people in, in India starve to death because there are just certain animals they just refuse to kill and eat because they think if I do, I'm killing one of my relatives, and so they won't do it. And so um, uh, uh, they, they believe in that ridiculous doctrine of reincarnation. We don't believe in that. We believe that when you die, yes, your physical body dies, but that there's going to be a resurrection day, and the body's going to come forth out of the grave. And we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up in the air to meet him in the air. That's the promise that we have. We certainly don't believe in annihilation. We don't believe like some believe and many even in our nation today believe that you live your life and when you die you're gone. It's over. And your body just corrupts and goes back to the dust and you're forgotten never to be remembered ever again. We don't believe in that but let me tell you. That's pretty much a doctrine that's becoming very, very, uh, uh, very popular in our country right now. Uh, sad to say in the last 50 years, uh, something like 92% of people 50 years ago believed in Jesus, believed in the Bible, believed in the resurrection. That number is declining year after year after year. We're almost down to 50%, almost half of our nation that they categorize themselves as when they're asked, what is your religious affiliation? They just say, none, none. I don't have any religious affiliation, meaning they don't believe in God, they don't believe in religion, they don't believe in the Bible, and they certainly don't have any hope beyond this life. I'm so thankful for the reality of Jesus Christ and that you and I today can know him in a personal way and uh, we don't have to... To, uh, to have the, the, uh, the attitude that this life is going to be over and that's going to be the end of it all. I don't believe it. I know it's not the truth. It explains a lot, a lot of the suicide where people think, well, I can just get out of my misery and get life over with and, and ex explains the attitude of live and let live. Just have a good time in this life and because that's all that there is. We know that there is life beyond the grave. Amen. And Jesus was the first fruits of that. And uh, we can experience it and have the reality of the resurrection in our own life. Now, throughout chapter 15 here, uh, he reaffirms the fact that he died for our sins, that he was buried, uh, and then that he rose from the dead on the third day, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. It's reaffirmed here in this scripture and many other scriptures. As a matter of fact, there are witnesses in God's word concerning the resurrection even in the Old Testament. There are many places in the Old Testament, I don't have time to read all these verses, 
but Psalm 16, Isaiah 53, Daniel chapter 9, Hosea chapter 6, all these are passages of scripture that spoke of the fact of the resurrection, even in the Old Testament, hundreds and thousands of years before Jesus was even born, that the prophets were speaking of the reality of the resurrection that was to come. Amen. Jesus, when he talked, uh, uh, he spoke about Jonah. He said Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days and then came forth and so shall the son of man. That Jonah and, the, and his experience was a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and him coming forth out of the tomb. So we have the witness of the word of God, the scripture, Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled that we can put our hope and our confidence in that. And then there were those witnesses that are listed there in the scripture. The first of the witnesses, the first one was, was uh, those women who came early in the morning to anoint the body of Jesus. It's interesting to me that these women were the last at the cross and the first at the tomb. And they were the ones that came to minister to the, to the dead body of Jesus. And, and they, in turn, met him in the garden and saw him in the garden and were sent forth by him, go and tell the other disciples. So the first even of the evangelists who were declaring the message of the resurrection were women. Praise God. Amen. I really think we make a big mistake uh, when we minimize how God can use ladies and women in the church. We really do. We, we shouldn't minimize how God can use them. He can anoint them. He can use them. He can empower them. He can use them mightily. And this is an example of it from God's word. Those women uh, were the first witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then Mary Magdalene was the very first one, it says. And that's uh, found in Mark 16 and 19. That when Jesus was risen, risen early from the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. And remember, Mary Magdalene was that woman who had seven demons in her. She certainly had a dark and a shady past, but she was an example of someone who loved more because uh, of all that she was forgiven of. And she was that very first Witness, I think it's significant because it reminds us of the fact that Jesus revealed himself as a resurrected Lord to that lady, to that woman with this dark background and past to let us know that he came out of the tomb to forgive those that were in the most wicked of lifestyles, those that were the furthest away from God, those who were in the depths of sin, that God provided hope and salvation through the resurrection, even for the worst of sinner. Amen. Just as he did. And then uh, he, it says that he was seen of Cephas, who was Peter. Remember, Peter was the one who said, Lord, I'll never deny you. I would never deny you. And before the day is over, he's denied him uh, three times before the cock crowed twice. He denied him three times. Times Peter thought that he would not, uh, uh, that he would never ever deny the Lord, but oh, he did. He, and so again, he appeared to Peter, Cephas, who is Peter, appeared to him to remind us that Jesus uh, can provide salvation to the doubters 
and to the weak and to the feeble and to those who fail the Lord. The Lord appeared to him to let him let us all know that he will forgive you even if you fail the Lord. He won't fail you. Praise God. Then he appeared to those, those men, those men that were on the road to Emmaus and appeared to them. Remember, the Bible says that as they walked along the road there, they were downcast. They were sad over the fact that Jesus uh, had died and they had lost all of their hope. The Bible says that Jesus joined himself to them and that they, uh, they didn't even know he was there. It says their eyes were holding, they were blinded to the fact that the Son of God, the resurrected Lord, had joined them on the road to Emmaus that day. Sometimes your trials, your grief, your trouble, your sorrow are so overwhelming to you that you can't even see the resurrected Lord. But Jesus appeared to those men on the, the road to Emmaus to remind all of us today that even though you're doubting and you're despairing and you're full of hopelessness and you can't see that there's ever a future and all of your hopes are gone, Jesus appeared to them so that they could see that he was there even though their eyes were holding. Now, I understand that Mary Magdalene didn't recognize him at first. The Bible says that she, she didn't recognize him until she, he spoke her name, Mary. And then she recognized, my Lord and my God. She recognized him then. These men didn't recognize him. Certainly, Jesus was in his glorified state because when he sets down with them and breaks bread with them, then their eyes are open. And the Bible says he disappears from their sight. He's in a glorified body now. Praise God. Uh, he's, he's in a glorified body like you and I are going to have one of these days. Praise God. Aren't you glad? The, the older you get, the more this physical body wears out and, and gets weak and uh, uh, breaks down. Uh, and, but one of these days, we're going to have a glorified body. And Jesus disappeared from their midst and then reappeared in just a little while into a locked room where the rest of the disciples were gathered. Amen. Somehow he, that glorified body was so differently configured, the, the molecules or whatever caused him to be able to go through the wall or reappear or go through a locked door and appear among those disciples. Amen. So he disappeared and then reappeared uh, in that glorified uh, state. And so then he appeared to the, to the 12, it says here in the text. They were in hiding. They were behind closed doors. They thought Jesus, we were his followers. We were his close companions. They've taken his life, so we're probably next. So they're overwhelmed with fear and uh, grief in the situation that they're in. But Jesus then appears to them. His appearance to them uh, reminds us that uh, he appears to us even when we're afraid, when we don't know what the future holds, when we don't know how to, uh, how to face uh, the circumstances of our life. He appears. Now, Thomas wasn't there that day, and so when they told Thomas about it, that's when Thomas gets his nickname, Doubting Thomas. And um, Thomas wasn't there, and he said, well, after they told him what happened, he said, I'll have to see it for myself. I'm going to have to put my hands in his wounds and in his scars 
uh, before I'm ever going to believe it. Eight days later, it says in the, in, that uh, Jesus appears again, just suddenly appears in this locked room. This time, Thomas is there, and he appears that day and reveals himself to the doubter. And so I, I just want, to know, want you to know today, some of you might be in this service today, and you're not fully convinced. You're a doubter. You're not really convinced of this Jesus stuff and what the Bible has to say. And the resurrection message seems a little far-fetched uh, to you. But Jesus appeared uh, to the twelve, and then he appeared to Thomas, the doubter. Amen. And so just be reminded of the fact here this morning that Jesus, no matter what the circumstance of your life, he can reveal himself to you in a personal way and you can know him in a personal way today. Praise God. So he revealed himself to the men on the road to Emmaus, uh, to the 12 and to Thomas. And then, he, then Paul said, and to me as one born out of time, out of the season of time, he appeared unto me. Amen. Paul was a persecutor and a hater of the church, but he appeared to him and revealed himself to him and changed his life, changed his future, changed his whole purpose in life. That's what Jesus comes to do. He can stop you dead in your tracks, in the life that you're living, in the direction that you're following. He can stop you, reveal himself to you, and give you a whole new purpose for your life. That's what Jesus can do for your life. Praise God. So today we have a lot of witnesses. There were a lot of witnesses in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the scripture, and then all these different ones that were witnesses to the resurrection. But you know that today, you and me in 2023, we too are witnesses to the resurrection. Just by the fact that we are a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a reminder of the resurrection. You see, the church can be traced back to Jerusalem. That's really where everything started, in Jerusalem. And uh, what, not a good place to start a church in the name of Jesus Christ if he's still in the tomb in Jerusalem. Not a good place. But the church began there and uh, has existed for these more than 2,000 years. And today, all over the world, people are, are celebrating and worshiping a resurrected Lord all over the world and all kinds of places, praise God, they, they would never be able to stand up. Peter would have never been able to stand up on the day of Pentecost, just a short distance from the tomb, if the tomb was still occupied by the Savior. But he stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached in Jerusalem. And the beginning of the church, the church was founded in 3,000 souls came to the Lord, he would have never been able to convince them that Jesus was alive if the tomb was not empty. Praise God. And so all these thousands of years later, we're gathered together in the church with the body of Christ. And every Sunday when we come here, it's a reminder to us of the fact that Jesus came out of the grave on the first day of the week. Amen. On Sunday, it is a reminder to us that Jesus is alive. Praise God. And the church is a glorious, glorious thing. I've been to the church in the mountains of Mexico. I've been to the church in the bush of Africa, in the villages of India, 
and Haiti. I've been to a lot of different places, Eastern Europe, various churches, and everywhere you go, doesn't matter how humble that it is or how, how meek or small that it might be, it is a church established in the name of Jesus Christ, our resurrected Lord. Amen. And today, this very day, all over the world, all over the world, and all those places and many others that, that I mentioned, they are worshiping and they are glorifying a risen Savior in the church of the living God. Praise God. Amen. So every time you walk into the church on Sunday, remember, this is a, we are commemorating the resurrection of Jesus Christ because of Sunday worship and coming and worshiping the house of the Lord with the church. It has to be true because this was, in, this was Jewish headquarters, Jerusalem was, to start worshiping the Lord on Sunday when hundreds and thousands of years of Jewish tradition honored the Sabbath as Saturday. And for it to be changed to Sunday, something big had to happen. Something dramatic had to happen. For them to stop worshiping on the Saturday Sabbath and to switch it to Sunday, the first day of the week. And the only explanation is the resurrection was on the first day of the week. And, they, and, the, and our, our worship is on Sunday, the Lord's Day. Praise God. Amen. Something big had to happen that caused people to worship on Sunday. Every 52 Sundays out of the year, when we come to worship the Lord, it's a reminder of the fact that Jesus surely did come out of the tomb alive. Praise God. And then when someone is born again, when someone is saved, and they follow the Lord in water baptism, again, it's another symbol, picture of the resurrection because when they go down into the water they are it is the symbolic of the their death they come up out of the water it is a symbol of their resurrection unto new life so every time someone is baptized in water it is a reminder of the resurrection of Jesus Christ praise the lord so we have all these things that are witnesses and reminders to us of the reality of all that Jesus has done in providing hope and life for every one of us. Praise God. Aren't you thankful that we, uh, uh, I've stood in funeral services, I don't know, many, many, many times over the years, and uh, uh, the hopelessness when you don't know if that person knew the Lord. It is such a, uh, a dark and a hopeless situation when you don't know if they were saved or not. You do your best to encourage the family. You do your best to speak words of encouragement and, and hope uh, to the family. But if you don't, it, there's just like this, this heaviness that settles in upon a funeral service that that person didn't know the Lord. It's hard. It's hard. But then the reverse is when you preach a funeral for a saint of God. When you stand behind the, the, the pulpit and you know that person was born again, that person served God and lived their life to please the Lord, oh, those are, those are so much easier. It's so much easier when we know that they are in the presence of the Lord, when we know that um, they have the hope of the resurrection, that they're going to come out of that grave. This is not final. It's not over. That's the hope that we have. Praise the Lord. And I guess one of the most amazing uh, 
confirmations of the resurrection, and that is when someone gets saved and their life is changed. Only the resurrected Lord can bring about change in a, in a person's life. Just like the Apostle Paul, who was so dramatically changed on the road to Damascus that his life was completely turned around, so is it true that when a person is born again, when they give their heart to the Lord, they're never the same. Their life is changed. They have new hope. They have a new sense of purpose, a new direction uh, in, their, in their life. And uh, their lives were changed. As a matter of fact, these disciples in the scripture were, were so changed that, remember, they're the group huddling for fear in a locked room. That same group of disciples were so changed that they're the ones that all of them were martyred for the gospel's sake. All of them were martyred because they preached the gospel of the resurrection. So they were fearful and they were hiding and then something turned everything around for them. So they lived their life for Jesus and they preached Jesus Christ dead, buried and risen from the dead and they were willing to die and to suffer and to be persecuted for that. Something dramatic had to happen in their life and to change them, to cause them to endure, according to Hebrews, cruel mockings, scourgings, bonds, imprisonment, being stoned, being sawn asunder, being tempted, being slain, all of these various things that they experienced because they had the power and the courage to preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were changed. Amen. Praise God for the gospel of the resurrection that brings change to the lives of people. Praise the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the hope that we have today in the resurrection of Jesus. And that I thank you, Lord, that you have provided for us, Lord, such joy and such fulfillment and peace, Lord, that comes to our life because we know you in a personal way. Thank you, Lord, that if it was not for you, our lives would be miserable. Paul said, I would be of all men most miserable. The misery, the miserable life is the life that's lived without Jesus. But Lord, thank you. Thank you that you have given us hope and salvation and the hope of our own resurrection one of these days. Praise God. Hallelujah.